Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Kantar and Said Business School, University of Oxford. In each episode, we speak to industry experts about the changing landscape of marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. I'm Jane Osler, Global Head of Media, Insights Division of Kantar. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So today I'm talking to Rupert McConnick, and he is founder and exec producer of Savile Productions, which is based in LA. How are you, Rupert? Good, thank you. How are you? Fine, thank you. It's great that you're talking to us today, and it would be really good to hear a little bit about what you do, what Savile Productions does, because it's all in the area of sponsored entertainment, which might not be something that many listeners are familiar with. I've had a company for more than 25 years, and we've done you know, hundreds of commercials and pieces of branded content. And we saw the shift, the disruption in advertising more quickly probably than most, because around 2013, we started getting phone calls from, from agencies and brands saying, we want to get a documentary on Netflix. How do we do it? And in fact, 2013, it was relatively easy to get a documentary on, on Netflix because they didn't have anything. Now they have everything, and it's very hard. And the fundamental reason to do sponsored entertainment is the audience has migrated and they've migrated to commercial free streamers. And as we all know, there's more and more of them, Apple, Amazon, and so on. And the fundamental reason to do this is many of these platforms are commercial free. So they don't take ads. <laughs> so you have to create entertainment, not ads. If you think about it, marketing is a pyramid, right? So you've got marketing at the top. At the bottom, you've got commercials, branded content, social influences, PR, product placement, and so on. Sponsored entertainment is part of that. But it's not the only solution to all marketing, but it's one solution that every brand and agency should be exploring. It's an old model. It's radio plays in the 1930s, TV in the 1940s. Um, so we're just going a big full circle. So it's like the soap opera, you know, for the modern age, I guess, the, the equivalent of that. Um, we know from some of our research that attitudes towards different kinds of content, not generally advertising content, are actually really positive and particularly amongst younger audiences. So what is it that appeals to these audiences? Why is sponsored entertainment so appealing, do you think? Well, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, people don't, just don't want to watch ads. <laughs> Let's be real. We're in a sort of w weird time now, right? Well, you know, I'll talk to some young people in an ad agency, for example. None of them will watch cable. 
<laughs> or advertising-driven programs. They all hate ads. And when you ask them, why are you still making ads with the brand? They say, well, our client wants us to do them. We don't really like them. And I say, do you even watch the ads that you just made? No, we hate them, but we still have to do them. So it's almost like homework for these people. So it's hardly innovation. And I think where we are is we're in a situation where for the last 70 years, people have been making ads and then it became like long ads, branded content. But the truth is the audience does not want to watch an ad. And what we have to do in all areas of marketing, except the fact that what the audience is interested in has to be the hero, or they simply won't watch it. You know, there's 100,000 choices at all our fingertips. And I think that's the crux of all this, is David Ogilvy said in the 1950s that, you know, the brand had to be the hero, right? Which makes complete sense if you're doing an ad in the Times or something, and you want the whiskey bottle, you know, on the front of the, at the print ad before you turn the page. However, now we have 100,000 choices and young people are turned off by ads because uh, they have a choice. So when they have a choice, they don't want to watch an ad. So we have to create entertainment, not ads. And it has to be something engaging and interesting, not just a long ad. So our latest research in the US from Entertainment On Demand shows that SVOD of streaming subscriptions reached 241 million by March in 2021. So that's a lot of people watching streamed content. But there are so many providers. So how do you break through? How do you secure distribution through one of the streaming platforms? I think there's a, there's a few things here. You've got to look at the format you're trying to do. So what we've learned, having done this quite a few times, is that the streamers all have acquisitions teams. So there's a team at each streamer who creates original content. And they don't need brand money. <laughs> they don't, in fact, they've got loads of money. You know, Apple has loads of money. Netflix has loads of money. So they're not very interested in doing a partnership with, with a brand. They don't need to. However, 80% of the stuff on all these streamers is bought as acquisitions at film festivals. So film festivals are just film markets. So if you think about it, 80% of the stuff on their platforms, they buy at a film market. It's already been made. <laughs> they put their logo on, their Originals logo, Netflix Originals or Amazon Originals or what have you. And then they put it on their platform. So what we've learned to do is tap into this existing infrastructure. There's a major film festival market every month where people buy stuff that they feel that an audience would want to watch. So if we make something very good that an audience wants to watch, very high chance of selling it and getting it on the front of a platform. In fact, we've made three brand-sponsored feature docs uh, with major brands, and we've sold three brand-sponsored feature docs to streamers. Um, and we're doing more and more now. So I think it'd be really good if you could give us an example of something that you've worked on fairly recently. Just take us through the process of who commissioned it, who you worked with, how did it get distributed? Sure. So I'm going I'm to take you through three of these. So first of all, we've been focusing on feature docs because we know that the streamers want to buy them. If you think about it, we've probably all seen Free Solo, an American factory, and in fact, Octopus Teacher, the last three docs that have won the, the feature Oscar. We probably can't even name the 20-minute docs that have won the Oscars because we don't really watch them. So what we've learned is, first of all, we have to make a feature, a 90-minute, because we know that's what the streamers want to buy. There's no point making a 20- or a 40-minute doc and expecting to sell it because there's no market to sell them. So the first thing to do is we focus largely on feature docs because we know that we can sell them when we've sold three in a row. Some examples, we did a documentary with Werner Herzog a few years ago called Learn Behold. So with a data security brand called Netscout. Netscout wanted to create a conversation around data security in an interesting way. So we made a Werner Herzog, you know, picaresque adventure into the internet 
We included uh, data security, but it was a proper doc. He had creative control and we got into Sundance. We sold it for a lot of money. It's worth pointing out that the brands will own the, the IP of these things. So the brand made most of their money back. At the same time, as the direct result of the doc, because it was a highly regarded doc, it's 94% of Rotten Tomatoes, the brand's media impressions went up by 10 times, and they had the largest number of business inquiries in their 30-year history. Now, that's from the CMO, and they're a data company, and that was their data. So we, we felt fairly comfortable referencing that. More recently, we did a doc called 5B. We did that with Johnson & Johnson and their media agency, UM Studios. They came to us with a problem. They said, young people don't want to become nurses. We have to change the image of nursing in the States. How do we do that? So after a lot of discussions, we said, let's make a feature doc around unsung nurse heroes. So we made a doc around unsung nurse heroes called 5B. We got it into the Cannes Film Festival, which is very hard. We won the Grand Prix at Cannes Lions, and we sold it to Verizon Media for, for several million dollars. And it had a huge you know, success in distribution. More recently, we did a doc with Shopify, the e-commerce platform. They want to celebrate entrepreneurs. We made an entrepreneur competition doc. We brought in some young filmmakers who just won the audience award for a competition doc called Science Fair. We made a pretty good doc. We got it into hot docs, but we got shut down because of the pandemic. And uh, even then, we still sold it to Disney Plus for several million dollars. So each time, we've been making these things for two to three million bucks and selling them for two to three million bucks. So the ROI for a brand is, is fairly exceptional because for the first time in marketing, we're turning a marketing dollars into a product we can sell. Um, so that's kind of what makes this unique. The key to this is to have a development phase. And what I mean by a development phase is we have to mine for a good story. So documentaries are journalism, they're cinematic journalism, and you have to find a unique story. It can't be generic. It can't be just some you know, idea that kind of cooks up for a week of looking on Google. It has to be a deep dive. So I'll give you an example on the Johnson & Johnson project. After we'd had a lot of discussions, they said, we really want to make a hero nurse doc. We said, great. And they said, what's the story? And we said, do you want a mediocre story in a week? Or do you want a really good one where we bring in a team and we search for a story and it'll take a couple of months? Because that's the process of all film and TV. That everyone has a development phase. They don't really have a development phase in advertising, but you need one if you're going to be successful with streamers. Because whatever we make has to be better than what's on their platforms or they won't buy it. What's the point? So we spent a lot of time searching for nurse hero stories. And after about a month, we found the true story of nurses fighting the AIDS crisis in the 80s and 90s. The nurses were pretty heroic. All their patients died because HIV was a death sentence. And as we all know, and some of the nurses got HIV from needle pricks and died. So they were pretty heroic. And we were able to say, this is a great story, J&J. And by the way, you make HIV drugs. You're pro-LGBTQ, pro you support RED, and 10 people who used to work on this Ward Ward 5B now work at Johnson & Johnson. So we were able to tie it back to the brand naturally. In addition, we once we have gone through a development phase and found a unique story, we will attach the appropriate director. So if we do a story around black lives, we don't want to have attached some old white guy <laughs> as the director. We want to find, you know, in the same way if we're doing a story around female empowerment, um, we're not sure what the story is at the beginning, but then the, the angle appears to be that. Then we want to probably you know, bring in a, a female director for obvious reasons. So that's part of our process. Our process is to get everyone engaged in the, the notion of doing something for streamers, i.e. sponsored entertainment, that, that people will actually want to watch, and having a development phase so we can really search for the story. Because all, all documentaries, like I said, are journalism.
And then we attach a director that's very bankable in the documentary space. And then we have a very high chance of getting into major festivals and selling it, which is why we've sold three in a row. So let's talk a bit about why you think brands are excited by sponsored entertainment in this area. And you've spoken there about some fairly big themes in those three examples that you've explored in, in the films. We know that 43% of people say they like to buy from brands who are engaged in social and environmental issues. So do you think this is a platform for brands to walk the talk? I think there's a couple of things here. So I think 2020 is a tipping point, right? You know, we've just gone through this pandemic and there's two real problems in the world that we're all having to face. We're all literally all on the same boat. One is environmental, which is climate, climate change, COVID and so on. And the other one is inequality, which is black lives, female equality, LGBTQ rights, global equality, social equality, you know, financial equality and so on. And the question for our time is how are 10 billion people who show up by 2050 going to have a Western standard of living without destroying the planet? I mean, that's what we're literally all going to be facing. So the pandemic is just a taster of what's to come. And each brand has to kind of do their bit. And each brand's now realizing they have to be culturally relevant and they have to be on the right side of history. So every brand now needs to be culturally relevant. And there's no better way to do that than an authentic doc. If a brand is walking the walk, then they should talk the talk. Having said that, you don't want a brand, you know, greenwashing something, or you don't want a brand that makes something unhealthy talking about health. So you've got to find brands where they're authentic about things. And and I think there's a real opportunity because I can guarantee you every brand has the three things on their website. One, sustainability, two, building communities, and three, diversity inclusion. All of those lend themselves to authentic docs. And it's worth talking about what, what does authenticity mean? When we say sponsored entertainment, it's different to branded content. Branded content is, is essentially long ads. I mean, let's be really honest about it. And it's people have migrated onto YouTube. So everyone said, all right, well, let's make some long ads. We'll call it branded content. The Urban Dictionary definition, which I found I Googled, <laughs> is long, boring ads that people put on YouTube that no one in their right mind would watch. And if we're really all honest, do we watch the latest bit of branded content from, you know, whoever it is when it's just a long ad? We don't. The reality with the sponsored entertainment thing is your the brand is aligning themselves with the cause. So if they're talking about sustainability, they could be talking about climate change heroes globally or any number of things, you know, fighting global plastics and so on. But they don't necessarily want to make it all about themselves because that is way too self-serving and they'll just turn people off. And this is what we've learned is this is the crux to it. We need to make a proper authentic doc. We need to release it, i.e. get it into festivals and get really good reviews. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Once you get good reviews, you're very likely to get it on a platform and people are probably going to watch it. Our last two docs were 100% of Rotten Tomatoes, and the one we did with Verna was 94%. So they're good docs. And what we've learned is if good reviews drive traffic. So if you get an authentic doc, people will watch it. We've also learned that there's a two-step process to this. You want to get the doc released and some good reviews on, you know, at film festivals and so on. And then once the doc's a success, the brand should talk about themselves. So we learned this when we, we did the Werner Herzog film. We were working with a distributor called Magnolia, who are based in the States. And they're very, very good, and they're really smart. I like them. And they said, we don't mind that this was financed by a brand, because everything's financed by a brand. But what we want need to do is get really good reviews. We, we need to show that Werner's made an authentic doc. They said, just let us release the film. Give us a month to release it. Let us get really great reviews, and then talk about yourselves all you want. <laughs> So what we did was we did that. So we had really good reviews. And then once all the New York Times and so on had said, this is a great doc and so forth, we then, Werner almost became like an unpaid brand ambassador. And he did lots of interviews with NetScout and the CMO on magazines like Wired, talking about why they made it and his perspective on data security and stuff like that. That was why the doc had so much reach. And what I've learned is often brands will make something that's sort of a doc and then they'll stick it in ad week, which no one really cares about apart from people in advertising or ad age or campaign or all those magazines. So what we've learned is get a really good reach of people and get people engaged and wanting to see the film and then do yourself promotion on why you made it and stuff like that. That's to us has been the most effective way of making these things really benefit brands. And then the brand can be a thought leader on that space because they you know, they're doing something which is very relevant to the brand. And it's something where they can really help as a brand. And then they've made something authentic, which it doesn't feel like just a long end. Thinking about it from a, a marketer's point of view. So marketers nowadays will have to engage with regular offline advertising formats. They obviously have to tackle all the social media platforms and possibly produce things in different formats, you know, on short form content like TikTok, for example. At the other end of the spectrum, there's the sort of extra long form uh, content like sponsored entertainment. So in your experience, how do marketers manage this whole spectrum of communication? Because they've almost got to produce different things for every single channel, different formats. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what they have to do. <laughs> 10 years ago, the world was fairly straightforward. You made print ads and poster ads or any anything for, you know, analog magazines. If you think about it, people still looked at magazines and newspapers then. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to watch Breaking Bad, you had to watch the ads on the channel that it was on. You know, in the States, it was AMC. I imagine it was something like Sky in, in England. And the ads were there. If you wanted to watch it, that's what you had to do. Now, no one has to do that. They can They can flip anything. And I think there's different audience for different things. The reason why we focused on feature docs, documentaries, is because we know that people are watching. them. There's, I can guarantee you everyone who listens to this podcast has watched a feature documentary in the last year. I'll put money on it. <laughs> However, 10 years ago, they probably didn't because documentaries were kind of boring then. Now they've become like a, you know, quite an innovative space. And in many ways, 
they're better than a lot of the programs on TV. And they're also much cheaper to produce than traditional scripted TV because you don't have you don't have scripts, you don't have actors, you don't have hair and makeup, all this stuff. It's lean, they're lean, and you can do them relatively quickly and easy. Feature docs are a space that people are watching, and I'm sure all the marketers listening into this know that the kind of audience I know that each millennials watch documentaries, Gen Z will watch documentaries if it's the right doc. And obviously, we have to find the right subject that appeals to an audience. So, you know, Shopify is a good example. They want to make a doc around entrepreneurs. They wanted to reach young people. So we made it about young entrepreneurs. If we'd made it about old entrepreneurs, you probably wouldn't get young people watching it. I was talking to someone at a sports brand who, you know, was very, very arrogant, actually. He, he said, no one, no one on Gen Z ever watches anything longer than five minutes. I said, well, they probably don't if it's boring. <laughs> They'll watch a Marvel movie. They'll spend 24 hours on a video game. And they'll probably watch a documentary on Greta Thunberg. They just won't watch a documentary on some old golf white golfer or something. You know, neither would I, for that matter. So it's about, the, it's about the story and the subject. And if you find something that the audience trying to reach is engaging, then you're probably going to get them to watch it. Gen Z, for example. We, we could make a great doc on eSports, for example, and a whole range of things. There's very few documentaries on global football, soccer. You know, there's like a handful of decent docs, of documentaries on, on the biggest sport in the world. That's a really good space because they pump so much money into marketing around that sport, but there's not that many good documentaries on it. So it sounds like you think this long form content could apply to almost any category in any space. But where where's it all heading, Rupert, in the future? I mean, is there some evolution of sponsored entertainment that we haven't thought of yet that you're conjuring up for the future? I think, you know, you're still going to have traditional formats. People will, will want to binge watch a series or they'll want to watch a feature film, which is why every single platform has feature film or TV series. I mean, so I think people want to settle in for the evening dinner and a movie, right? Or they say, I want to veg out for the whole weekend and binge watch a series. I think, you know, you call it box set. Yeah, box set. So, so the point is, I think those formats are going to exist. I think we all know that less and less of the audience is going to see movies in, in movie theatres and so on. And there'll be, still be big event movies. And we're probably going into a space where young people want to, want to be in a world where the movie's all around them. There'll be some version of a, a very high-tech sort of IMAX kind of thing where you're actually in the movie. I'm sure that's the space that's going on in the future. Now, in terms of all the tech stuff like TikTok, who knew about TikTok two years ago, three years ago? There'll be something new. And what I've learned with all marketers, they jump on the bandwagon. Everyone, you know, someone sits there and goes, what's this TikTok thing? We better do something for TikTok. And, you know, so he asks his kids or something, what's TikTok? And they go, yeah, it's the groovy thing. So I think what we have to do is accept that there's going to be new, more and more new technologies coming out. And we actually have to listen to young people about them. You know, in the States, they had a bunch of old white people <laughs> saying Quibi was the next thing, right? Quibi was a complete disaster. They brought in some, you know, very high-powered people in Hollywood and some very high-powered people in the tech world. And they thought that people want to watch a 10-minute thing, you know, and we're all going to break it up and you can turn your screen that way. That was the innovation. And you ask anyone who's a young person who's really tech-savvy on a the phone, they were like, well, anything you can turn that way. And obviously, that's why it was a bit of a disaster. TikTok is obviously user-generated, and that's a, very appealing for a lot of people. So I think the, the point there is you're still going to have film and TV. You're probably not going to be in theatres. And if you do go to a theatre, it's probably going to be some high-tech version of IMAX where you're literally in it in some way, and I'm sure that's where it's going to go. And I think 
the innovation will probably come from young people doing like stuff that we haven't thought of. And, uh, you know, old people won't even know what it is. That's the truth. Because we're, in a, you know, people who grew up with, I grew up in a world where, like you, Jane, where there weren't mobile phones, you know. So we're like fuddy-duddies, you know. So now you're, you've got kids growing up and the first thing they get is, a, you know, an iPad or something and they live and breathe that world. It's just second nature to them. They probably don't ever read a book, I, you know, a book, an analog version of a book. They probably don't know what that is. <laughs> and I think there's going to be more and more of that. So what they view as innovative, we wouldn't properly even understand. <laughs> so I think we have to listen to kids about what they think is innovative. But at the same time, I think these traditional formats will still exist. I think still people will still make movies. I think people will still make television series. They'll certainly make docs and doc series, because that seems to be in a, a format that people love. I think partly why they like it is because on some level, most docs are educational. You want to go take, be taken into a world and learn something. And we all have curiosity, and I think that's good. I think these, the, you know, the TikToks and Instagrams, I always think they have a sell-by date. MySpace was the grooviest thing in 2002 or something. And then Facebook was groovy for five years, and now it's not. It's all fuddy-duddies. And then Instagram was groovy for five. Now TikTok, there'll be something else. You know, we don't really know what it is. And, and just to be contentious, often the innovations come out of the porn industry. So maybe we need to look to the porn world and, and see what innovations they're going to bring in. Because they seem actually very, very good at figuring out areas where we haven't thought of, which is you know, innovative technology and, and ways that people might want to view things. You've been listening to Future Proof from Kantar and Said Business School. For all episodes and more information, visit kantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you never miss an episode.